0: before I read the gospel, just a quick word. Uh, you may notice uh, printed in the bulletin is a different gospel reading than what's actually printed on the bulletin. Uh, the reason that I'm I'm switching things up, the, the gospel that I'm going to read here in just a second, is actually next week's gospel. Uh, but with our upcoming uh, Christmas uh, uh, programs with the Coraliers and with the Sunday school kids uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, this reading that I'm, I'm going to share just seemed a little bit more Advent-y, a little bit more fitting for, for the season that we're in. So I'll invite the congregation now to rise for the gospel. Our gospel lesson for today, the first Sunday of Advent, comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. People of God, may the grace and peace of our Triune God, be yours today and forever. Amen. Over the course of my life, I've had a goal to one day be the only person in a movie theater to watch the movie. I've gotten really close, several times over. I used to go to a lot of matinees when I was younger, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna go on a Monday during the day. No one else will ever be there, and it's never happened. There's always at least one or two other people there. Now, over the years, I've kind of shifted my goal ever so slightly to, because I don't go to movies by myself anymore. I'm a grown-up now, so I don't really do that. But uh, other people will, will go with me, and so the goal is now that my group is the only people in the movie theater. And over the years, I've come real close. About a year ago, my daughter and I were at a movie, and we thought, we're going to be the only ones here. And then literally, as the preview started, another group of people walked in. I was so mad. (sighs) Two weeks ago, we went to a movie. It was a Monday night. It wasn't quite prime time yet. It was sort of like late afternoon, and this movie didn't really sound like it was going to be overly popular. And we thought, this is going to be it. We're going to be the only ones there. We bought our tickets. We walked into the theater. Empty. Yes. We sat around for a little bit. Nobody was coming in. Nobody was coming in. The preview started. Yes. We're the only ones here and we were literally celebrating in the theater. And no one cared cuz we were the only ones in there. Now, if you've been to movies lately, you know there's like 20 minutes of previews. Like it used to be like one or two and it would be like 4 minutes and then the movie would start. It's 20 minutes. And we went all the way through the 20 minutes of previews, and we're still alone. And we were just making a scene because we were so excited. She shares this goal with me. My daughter does. The movie started. We're like, yes, finally. After 44 years, my goal is achieved. And I was really excited. And I knew this was the time. 10 minutes into the movie, you see where this is going. Another family came walking in. I'm like, A, what are you doing here now? And B, oh, the goal, not achieved. We thought we knew what we could expect. We thought we knew what was happening. But in reality, it was different. Now, that's the idea that I really want you to hold on to. Me being alone in the movie theater has nothing to do really with anything other than we didn't ultimately know what to expect. We thought we did. But we, we didn't know. Now, with that, let's shift and let's talk Advent. Let's talk gospel. Let's talk all of that. As we move into the season of Advent, like, like I was kind of talking with the kids, we're, we're beginning a period of preparation, of, of waiting, of longing for the birth of the Messiah that we'll celebrate at Christmas a few weeks from now. Now, with this, we start a new church year. I always kind of laugh about that, that Advent kicks off a new church year about a month or so before before we start the new calendar year. And so we're into something new. And with that, we have switched from one gospel over into a new one. You might have noticed we've been in Matthew's gospel the past year, but now we're into Mark. And I love the gospel of Mark. It's really grown on me in the last few years because Mark is just so short and to the point. Mark does not beat around the bush at all. It's the shortest of any of the Gospels, and he gets right to the point. Now, we hear the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, and we skip over all of that birth stuff. Who cares? Jesus is just on the scene, and we're, we have him full grown, and we we start off with actually the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, if you're not familiar with John the Baptist, I think most of you probably are, his, his name is kind of self-explanatory. He is the baptizer, and he is the one who is preparing the way of the Messiah. His ministry, which is vitally important, isn't about him, but it points forward to the coming Messiah. And the information that we have about John, what what Mark does share with us, is important because it was intended for the audience to point them at something. We hear the way that John is described, that he's out in the wilderness. We hear about his wardrobe, which is odd. He wears camel hair with a leather belt around his waist. And his diet is really weird. The guy eats locusts and wild honey. I don't know, maybe that's like the new carnivore diet. I don't know what to call that. But but we've got this weird description. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but the first time I ever heard that, I'm like, that's really weird. And why do we need to know that? But his audience would actually think instantly about Elijah, one of their great prophets of old, because they are described the same way. I'm going to give you a little example of this type of thing. If I was to talk about a president who wore a top hat and had a really cool beard, who am I talking about? Abe Lincoln, it's a no-brainer, right? You know exactly who I'm talking about. It's the same deal with John the Baptist. The way he is described instantly makes the people, the Jewish people, the Jewish culture, think Elijah. And Elijah was the forerunner of the Messiah. When Elijah comes back on the scene, that means the Messiah is coming. So all of this is important, and all of this is pointing ahead. Now, this occurs at a point in their history when God has been silent for a really, really, really long time, about 400 years since any of the earlier prophets that we have in in what we call the Old Testament would have been active. So the voice of God has been really, really quiet for a long time. And the people have been waiting. And they've been longing for the Messiah. And they've been longing for deliverance from all of these various uh, uh, forces or empires that kind of keep taking them over. They want to be delivered from all of this. And this is a theme within the Jewish culture that has gone on and on and on and on. If you know anything about the Jewish culture throughout, the, throughout history, it's oftentimes described in that same way of longing for deliverance, longing for freedom, longing for God to make good on the promises that God has made. And in their culture, and in ours as well, that all originates from the Messiah. And John's action, John's work, John's ministry, whatever we want to call it, it's all pointing that way. And it's pointing forward into that unknown future. Promises of hope, promises of deliverance, promises of joy, but ultimately promises about the unknown. Now, Mark's gospel as a whole, I think, really illustrates this. We start here, the beginning of the good news. Anybody know how Mark's gospel ends off the top of your head? I've talked about this before, maybe right about Easter end like confirmation class. It just got really quiet in here. <laughs> On Easter, the women go to the tomb, and they find it empty, and the angel appears to them and says, go tell the disciples to go into Galilee. They're going to find Jesus there. And they run away, and they don't say anything to anyone because they're so freaked out. Gospel ends right there. And it's really ambiguous, and it's really strange, and it's, it offers no conclusions. And for a long time, I thought, I hate that. It's weird. Can we do something extra with that and maybe read one of the other Gospels? And I thought, maybe that's actually intentional. Because we live in a world that's ambiguous. We live in a world where we don't know what the future holds. And sometimes it's scary, and sometimes it's difficult, and sometimes we experience things to which there are no good answers. I was reminded of that this week. I was actually in a hospital. Uh, I wasn't in the hospital. Let me rephrase that. That came out weird. I was at the hospital on a visit, and I was having a conversation with the individual. The individual was kind of having a rough time, and there were a lot of questions, testing that's not really revealing any answers, and they looked at me, and they said, I want to know why. Can you tell me why? Oh, boy, talk about putting me on the spot. And I didn't say anything. And then they said, I know you can't answer these questions. There are no good questions. But maybe all we can do right now is hope. And I thought, you just wrote my sermon for me, holy cow. All we can do in these difficult moments is hope and cling to the promises that God has made for every single one of us through Jesus, through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, God claims us as his own. God promises to each of us the forgiveness of our sins, the forgiveness of our brokenness. God has overcome the power of sin and death on our behalf. And every single year at this time, we start that story over. And we go through the course of that story through the church year. And today we're starting again. We start with longing for deliverance. We hope and we cling to the promises of God promises that will never let us down. And as we look forward into the unknown future, both in this life and in the life to come, we don't know what it's going to look like, but the promise of God is that we will be with him. May we find hope in that, in the midst of difficulties. May we find joy in that, in this season of expectation, this season of waiting, this season of looking under the tree and finding bags that may or may not have rocks in them. May we hope. Amen.